You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hey, Annie. Doing great. Excited to be with you. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. So why don't you uh, take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? All right. Uh, well, I grew up in a, a family that uh, I was really blessed. Uh, parents that uh, loved me well. There was no alcohol at all uh, in our family. And growing up uh, just in the church and with friends, uh, alcohol was not an issue uh, at all, even in the high school. Um, just no temptation at all. So, uh, you know, thankful to have that upbringing. Now, funny story was when I was a senior, I did get uh, invited to a a party. I had a sneaky feeling that uh, alcohol was going to be there. And so I showed up and, and and there's a lot of beer on the table. So peer pressure, uh, I had to drink at least one beer, right? So no big deal. Uh, I could handle one beer. And I took that first uh, taste of beer and uh, almost spit it out. It, it was... Uh, <laughs> it was absolutely horrible, right? But I had to at least finish that beer. So common sense told me, why don't I take half of a Coke and half of a beer, dilute it. And of course, my friends were laughing hysterically uh, at me. But I was, I was able to, to, to drink my beer, you know, diluted with Coca-Cola. So uh, oh, wow. of course, I go, I go into college and really don't have much of a craving for alcohol, right? <laughs> And so uh, I went until I was uh, about age 31 and I was uh, working on my securities license. I was going to be a financial advisor. I had gotten hired by a broker's firm and uh, decided that it was time for me to learn the, the fine art of enjoying an alcoholic beverage. And so, uh, so I, I made the effort to learn how to enjoy a beer and a glass of wine uh, just for the purpose of uh, connecting with people when I was in those settings uh, for business, okay? And so I was age 31, and so that began uh, what you may call a healthy relationship uh, with alcohol because for then, in the next 12 years, uh, I drank every now and then, uh, not that often, but the good news was never had a craving, never had an addiction, never really had uh, you know, any negative consequences with an, with an occasional drink. Um, at the age of 43, uh, that, uh, that began to change. It was a, uh, a Tuesday morning in October that I got the news uh, that my marriage of 17 years uh, was over. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that a human could, could feel and experience that much emotional horror. I definitely did not want my marriage to end we had two kids, and I entered into the most uh, you know, painful uh, season of my entire life. At that point in time, I began to use alcohol in a brand new way. I began to use that to, to medicate, uh, you know, just some some horrible, horrible pain that I woke up with, that I went to bed with. As I look back then, it was interesting, and I was even aware of this when I, while I was, you know, drinking more, um, was that when your emotional pain is that deep, that intense. Uh, that horrible alcohol really doesn't help it at mm-hmm. all. And yet, you know, I begin to, to drink on a, on a daily basis, usually in it each day, uh, three or four drinks, whether it was uh, uh, beer uh, or wine, and continued, continued that way. 
um, as I worked through the divorce. And then at some point in time, I began a uh, Sunday afternoon habit, hanging out with some friends uh, at a bar. And really, first time I'd ever sat at a bar and drank alcohol, but it was you know, a few hours of hanging out. And that's when uh, I discovered what I felt like was my drink. Uh, and it was uh, rum and coke. Um, and before long, um, you know, try to double rum and coke. So these uh, afternoon times of hanging out with friends, uh, sometimes, you know, three, you know, double rum and cokes. And then it wasn't too long after that, I would say I was probably 47 at, at this point in time, you know, single and plowed through the divorce that uh, it was on a Tuesday. And all of a sudden I had this thought, I don't have to wait till this Sunday afternoon to enjoy hanging out with my buddies and enjoying my rum and coke. I get in my car, drive you know, 20 miles to the county line and buy my own Bacardi, right? And that's exactly what I did. And as soon as I got home, you know, I, I got to have my rum and coke, you know, there in the comfort of my house. And I really think, uh, Annie, that was the point in time that I'd had enough to drink, been drinking long enough and had drank a high enough volume at that point in my life you know, where that, uh, that rut uh, was developed in my brain. I really felt like that's where the craving began, that uh, so-called addiction uh, entered in my life. And I didn't know it at that point in time, would not have admitted it, but at that point in time, uh, alcohol began to control at least uh, a part of my life. And so I had that, uh, that daily craving, even though I uh, definitely would not have admitted it at, uh, at that point in time. Let's see, where do I go from there? Um, I guess uh, fast forward three years, age 50, and I meet Pam. Uh, and I'd been doing the eHarmony thing for about two and a half years. Uh, tired of the online dating because I wanted a, a companion. I wanted a, a wife and uh, so excited to, uh, to meet Pam. Dated for six months, engaged for six months. Uh, we got married and uh, life was absolutely uh fantastic. After a couple of years of being married, uh, I finally sat down and, and took a look at my life. And I looked at the fact that all the needs that I had in my life, all my needs were met. I even wrote a list of all of my wants. What all do I want in life? And I realized that 98% of all of my wants were also met. In essence, I was living a, a fantastic life it was not the perfect life, but at that point in time, I would say it was the near perfect life. And so then the question was, you know, why am I still drinking on a regular basis? Uh, and then I had to be honest with myself. And I said, because I cannot stop. And that was a wake up call uh, for me because I did not need any alcohol at all. There really wasn't an edge that needed to be taken off uh, with, with a couple of drinks, uh, right? because uh, it was just that season in my life where relationships, marriage, uh, ministry, uh, finances, all of that was uh, was really flowing. A lot of good things going, a lot of good fruit happening in my life, and I was enjoying uh, all of it. And so it really caused me to stop and think. So it was a wake-up call, but it was not a big enough wake-up call, okay? So, uh, so I continued, you know, with my drinking. There was regular drinking, wasn't drinking much because uh, I didn't need much. I had a lot of good things going on in my life. You know, I'd never be more than you know two drinks per night, uh, but it was regular. It was consistent because of that craving. Yeah, you know, I had to 
satisfy that craving, or at least uh, I thought. Fast forward probably um, about a year, and uh, I'm getting ready for ministry engagement. I've got uh, ministry engagement coming up about two hours in another city. Uh, I've got two and a half hours uh, to spend uh, with these men, large group of men. And so the day comes, I decide to get to the city early and get a few things done. And then I decide to go prepare for my time to minister to this group of men. And so find a restaurant and my, looking back now, my conscious mind was uh, excited about my final preparations to get to, to, to be with these men. But now I realize that my subconscious mind was only thinking of one thing, and that was uh, the rum and coke. Mm-hmm. So I get there to the restaurant, get my papers out in front of me. Uh, the waitress comes, what would you like? A rum and coke. Uh, she brings the rum and coke, take the first sip and say, wow, that is a strong rum and coke. And the, the bartender had uh, definitely overpoured that one. Drank that, working on my notes, last minute preparation, comes back, uh, would you like another one? At that point in time, definitely supposed to say no. And I said, yes, I'll take another one. That one came just as strong, bartender overpoured you know, drank it. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and it dawns on me that I am feeling this alcohol and this isn't good because I've just got a few more hours before I'm going to be standing in front of a group of men and to be with them for two and a half hours, uh, doing all that I can to help them be better leaders, dads, fathers, and better men. Uh, and there's no way I can pull this off. Um, and so I'm in a panic now, uh, because I'm feeling the alcohol really, really strong. Uh, didn't have much to eat. Only weigh 175 pounds. So that, uh, you know, basically three or four drinks uh, was hitting me hard. Uh, I drive away, find a convenience store that's got a field in the back. I think maybe I can walk this off. I just start hiking in this field. I about uh, three miles. And then it hits me that... Um, and I'm going to be feeling this alcohol in the middle of this presentation during this ministry time with these men. And so uh, here we go. Uh, mad at myself. You know, the shame monster was all over me. And so long story short, uh, I survived that ministry time. Whether anybody knew that, uh, that I was uh, intoxicated or not, I'll never know. I put in as much energy emotional energy as I could to appear uh, normal. But I will tell you this one thing, when I got in my car to begin that two hour drive, this I had a wake up call, which is totally different than the wake up call that I'd had uh, the previous year that I needed to do something about my relationship with alcohol and I needed help. So I had two hours, um, got my phone, found some uh, alcohol free, podcast and just played them all the way home. Uh, As I was listening to that, uh, I was just being tortured with my shame. Get home, go to bed, go to sleep, wake up, and I've I've got this fire in me. Get online. I've got to have help. I've got to have help. You know, I've been playing around with the idea of reducing my alcohol consumption for the last several years. It's time to, to, to do business. And I get online, and guess who I find? 
there you are. <laughs> uh, and so uh, as soon as I ran into to your resources, this naked mind and all the good stuff that uh, you guys have produced, uh, it just it just fit me perfectly and uh, begin to to jump into it. So I dove in head first and I came to one thing that you said that was a game changer for me. But at first it was highly offensive to me. OK. And it was uh, these four words. Uh, it's not your fault. And when I saw that, I thought, no way. I am anti-victim mentality. Of course, it's my fault. But then, I mean, you, you had an education for me. I had a lot of ignorance and just so thankful that you made the point there that it was not uh, my fault. And once the light bulb came on and I realized that it, my screwed up relationship with alcohol had nothing to do with me as a person and my worth and my value and, and my identity. In essence, you know, I had been, you know, duped. And once I separated the body brain uh, addiction, you know, from myself and who I am uh, as a man and realized that it wasn't my fault, well, then something happened. And what happened was so powerful and it was the game changer for me is that all my shame disappeared. And once the shame was gone, then all of a sudden I had this incredible hope, this powerful motivation uh, and this burning desire to do the basic work to heal my body and to rewire my brain. And I was so, so excited. And, and I began the work uh, at that point in time. Uh, so that was right at about two years ago uh, when that uh, took place. So signed up for the alcohol experiment. And, uh, and now here, here's the kind of the irony about the, all, all of this is that my work uh, as, a, as a minister deals with men and I focus you know, on identity. I mean, we tell guys behavior is irrelevant. It's all about a shift in mind. We talk about uh, the biblical term for repentance is metanoia. What it is change of mind. So you you know you talk about subconscious. We talk about the heart. But it's the exact same thing. <laughs> so what I've been doing for years and helping guys get freedom. You know I started freedom trainings probably 15 years ago. What I've been giving guys for years. Now you were giving me <laughs> in in this area of my life, uh, helping me to uh, to change my thinking so that you know the natural byproduct would be a change in behavior. Of course, that behavior uh, being the, uh, the the consumption of, of alcohol. So uh, I jumped into the 30-day experiment with alcohol. Um, and because it was already my mentality is I want to focus on uh, the renewing of my mind. You know, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you know, when you said that you don't even have to stop drinking, just jump in. To the 30-day experiment, well, I told myself, I'm not going to stop drinking, uh, and I'm going to give 100% uh, to this 30 days. So I, I got a post-it note stuck in my bathroom uh, mirror, and I think that was a, 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 a Wednesday, and so I wrote Wednesday, and I wrote you know, all the days of the week for the next 30 days, and next to it, I was going to write the number of servings of alcohol that I had uh, for that day. Okay, so I was going to, my intent was to not to try to stop drinking. In fact, I was going to track my drinking, but of course, my main effort was going to be 
into uh, renewing my mind. So I, I spent about uh, approximately an hour uh, every single day. Part of that was the wonderful videos. Uh, of course, you and Scott did a fantastic job with the 30-day experiment. I had your book. Uh, also dove into uh, William Porter's book uh, as well. So I, I, I kind of you know, built, uh, built an hour of my day where I just jumped in to uh, really renewing my mind. And so I get to the end of the 30 days and really excited about, because uh, I knew some change had been happening. Uh, of course, I'm a numbers guy. So was, of course, was a financial advisor uh, you know, for a number of years. I do almost full-time ministry, but uh, do uh, some real estate investing on the side. So I've always liked uh, numbers. Uh, so I was going to approach this uh, mathematically and see what the data, what did the statistics, you know, say. So uh, you know, calculated, you know, how much, uh, how many servings of alcohol that I'd had the previous day during the 30-day alcohol experiment, and then of course I calculated, uh, you know, my average amount of alcohol uh, for an average month before that, up until then, and then I did my mathematical equations. And I was uh, excited and astounded and fired up to find out that I'd had a 73% uh, reduction in alcohol for that entire 30 days. And I, uh, without trying to uh, decrease my alcohol consumption. And so, uh, so you're right, Annie, you're exactly right that, you know, that renewing the mind and that uh, renewing the, um, the subconscious mind is where true freedom is at, and you know the uh, the behavior change, the cha the change in drinking, the change in actions. Uh, it's uh, automatic. Um, you know, I like to use the word effortless, and that does take effort <laughs> with the renewal of the mind part. But that got me started those first 30 days, and it's it's been uh, really really uh, exciting uh, since then. I would say probably uh, the last. Uh, I've done some different experiments. Can I drink a little or not over the last two years? And I would say, you know, over the last uh, almost a year, I'd say the last 11 months, you know, I've you know, probably had you know, five servings of alcohol. So where I'm at now is hadn't 100% given up for the rest of my life. But I have this sneaky feeling that there's coming a day, and it may be fairly soon, where I say, you know, hey, what the heck? Why don't I just put uh, all of alcohol completely uh, behind me? Uh, and live life full blast because I'm loving, you know, the way I'm getting to, to to live my life. What's been so fantastic is not having to waste my precious emotional energy managing the craving. And that was really what uh, a, a big thing that has really kept me going when I realized just the enormous amount of energy that uh, the craving took for me, you know, energy I could be putting into uh, our four adult kids, especially energy that I can pour into my, my beautiful wife. I've got so many leaders I get to pour into. I've got a fantastic uh, life, but it does take some focus and some mental clarity to uh, enjoy a wonderful life, right? And so, uh, so it's really been an exciting journey the, uh, the last two years. And like I say, you know, there's still a few little pockets of my life uh, where some cravings can uh, pop up. Uh, so just uh, practicing awareness of that, reaching out to some buddies for some accountability uh, with that. Of course, my wife is there to help me. She also, she wanted me to, to tell you um, a big thank you uh, also, because after she saw me finish my first 30 days, and uh, she was really inspired to, uh, to work on her relationship uh, with alcohol. Now, I think she's gone probably 
close to an entire year this past year without a single drink. So I think alcohol is completely <laughs> in her past and she's been really, really excited, which is uh, really cool for her because she grew up with alcohol. Uh, it was a much bigger part of her life. So she definitely wanted me to uh, to pass on a big thank you from her. Uh, and it's been neat for us to to be able to uh, to, to help each other. And I love, you know, helping other men uh, in our ministry if, if they get to, to that point. I remember one guy not too long ago, uh, he was, you know, really, you know, wanted to, to, to get set free from it, struggling with the social part of it. So uh, one of the guys he always you know, hung out with, you know, he went ahead and told him, hey, taking 30 days off. And the guy said, well, hey, I think I'll, uh, I'll join you at least uh, for the next uh, seven days. And that in that uh, seven days, the guy was fired up. He'd lost seven pounds and <laughs> and, I, and the light bulb came on. And, uh, you know, how many people out there that don't drink a ton, but they drink just enough, you know, where they're not able to live life full blast, that if they had a little bit of help, a little bit of uh, empowerment, encouragement, uh, they would say, yeah, I would love to to transform our relationship with uh, with alcohol. So uh, just uh a lot of neat things uh, going on, uh, Annie, and uh, I definitely appreciate uh, the uh, all the sacrifice, the uh, thousands of hours you put you put in to develop the the resources. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, that's so amazing, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing your story and what what a gift that you get to sort of pay it forward with sort of the men who gave you the wake up call in the first place, right? Like that's, that's right. That's really incredible. How has it been for you socially? Because that hadn't been uh, uh, too big of a deal socially. Um, I guess because my my wife and I we uh, we jumped into it t- together, and so uh, you know a lot of our you know drinking uh, would be drinking together uh, in our house, and that was an interesting thing uh, for me uh, because whether I was you know cooking a ribeye on my big green egg. Or I was, you know, sitting out uh, back listening to real estate, you know, podcast. Uh, you know, a lot of my drinking was there uh, in the house, and it was interesting just how how quickly uh, after that uh, thirty days that my drinking at home um, pretty much was gone, and I was, you know, really really you know shocked at that. And so, uh, so yeah, but I have uh, you know friends that have that social dynamic with the drinking. You know, I've really pointed them to your resources because you, you know, because you hit that pretty hard and I appreciate that. And uh, so I've had some friends that have really, you know, learned a lot, uh, you know, from you. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of been, uh, you know, where I'm at with that. That's great. So you said something that I really like the phrase. I've not heard it before, but this idea of living life full blast. Mm. Will you tell me what that means for you? Oh, wow. Um, well, t- all of life to me is uh, relationships, relationships, uh, relationships. So, uh, yeah, I've been uh, ordained minister, goodness, for uh, at least uh, 25 years. I sold a business probably seven years ago, and because uh, the men's uh, movement has grown, I've got you know leaders in probably you know nine different states, um, and so you know we just do whatever it takes to, to help a man get set free. Like I said earlier, so he can be the dad, the husband, the leader that he's meant to be. And so, uh, you know, getting to see uh, the next man, you know, transform the next man set free, whether that's from, um, you know, pornography or the, the shame from a divorce uh, or substance abuse, you know, to me, that's what uh, 
life is all about. Of course, all of that flows out of, uh, you know, just the joy of being on adventure with my, my fantastic wife. So we, uh, we uh, have, have a lot of fun together, whether we're, um, you know, backpacking across northern uh, Spain together or, or kayaking or we're just uh, holding hands, riding down the road, going to Walmart. You know, it's uh, the essence of my life is, uh, is relationships. And all of that flows out of my relationship with uh, with Jesus Christ. So uh, thankful uh, for what you know, God's done in my life. Uh, and our four kids between age 24 through 27, uh, they uh, they bring me a, a ton of joy uh, as well. So, uh, you know, so anything that has to do with uh, the giving and receiving of love uh, with, with other human beings, to me, that's, uh, that's a living life full of blast. I've had times in my life where, whether through, um, you know, real estate investment or back in the days when I was blowing and going as a financial advisor, I've had those seasons where I made the big bucks, but uh, none of that compares to uh, the uh, the grand prize of life, which is uh, intimacy. And, and to me, that's uh, with God and with, with other people. Thank you for asking. I love that. I love that so much. And it's interesting what you say, because I actually, I do a word of the year every year. Um, to just kind of, and I was just really trying to like focus on what is that word. And for me this year, the word is relationships. So mm, wonderful. That's beautiful. a great word. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is like the, so much of, you know, even your relationship with yourself and, you know, your relationship with your spiritual relationship with your creator and your relationship with every other human and your family. And it's like, when you focus on that, I've noticed a big shift in, in my just experience of like, what if I prioritize a relationship right now? Like, what would that look like? What if, what if that was before things I was doing when it's just really cool. It's amazing. Yeah, um, it's good. So, uh, Brian, let me ask you. So if you were going to kind of, well, first of all, is there anything, any other, anything else you want to share before I, I wrap us up with my final question I have for you? Yeah, I wanted to say one more, one other area of transformation that, that I attribute to what I learned uh, from you guys. I've been a student of nutrition my entire life, basically since I was 18, studied nutrition for a year and a half at Texas A&M University. But I've been not going full force with cutting out uh, the standard American diet and processed foods. And six months after I started your program, I said, what if I took you know, your process and I got serious about my nutrition? And so I did, I did a 30 day deal just with uh, nutrition and something crazy happened. I always thought that my ideal weight was uh, 175, uh, although I, you know, I was healthy, but not super healthy. So I began to pour just uh, one hour a day into um, you know, some fantastic functional doctors and really getting serious about having my mind renewed in that area of my life. And then uh, before long, I found that I was at my real ideal weight of 160. My blood pressure went down went to 115 over 70. I'd been 135 over 90, you know, for over 20 years. My energy went through the roof. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's fantastic. You know, I've been, I've, I've loved nutrition my entire life, but I've always been hanging on, you know, to some unhealthy stuff. Uh, so it was really, really cool. I just kind of, you know, took what I, it took, you know, your 30 day process and created one for nutrition. Uh, and I've just been enjoying, uh, you know, the last, uh, you know, over, over a year now, 
I've been uh, just uh, enjoying my health and uh, and knee pain gone and and just so many things. So I wanted to to give you a thank you for for that as well. And so that's uh, that's that's been interesting. And then of course I'm able to help other people with their nutrition at all. But uh, I wanted to throw that in also. Oh, that's so cool. And what a what an incredible thing. And it's so true. Like it all all behavior does come from the mind, right? So that's yes. of the mind and the process of, you know, just really exploring what's in there to begin with, then literally taking every thought captive, like very pragmatically and and just having grace for yourself, but also just having a zero tolerance policy of like, you know, especially the thoughts that I always thought it was, um, a, this is an interesting, interesting thing that, uh, let's see if I can ar articulate it, but I always thought that, especially with my drinking, that you really have these two, two voices in your head, right? When you're, when you're over drinking or overeating, or you're doing anything that's, that's out of integrity or, or alignment. And it's probably, maybe it's more than two voices, but I, I remember having this inner fighting and this, you know, call it cognitive dissonance, like the, the thinking, the disagreement in the thinking, the cognitive dissonance. And so you have these two voices in your head. And I remember for so long, I thought that the voice that was telling me I need to stop drinking was the voice I needed to align with. And interestingly, after lots of kind of stillness and reflection and looking back, if I, if I get quiet in my own mind and I go back to those moments of cognitive dissonance and I see in my mind's eye, the part of me that is telling me to have a drink, mm. it is actually the voice of grace. And it is actually the voice of self-love and compassion. And it's saying, Hey, you know, it's okay. I know this is hard. You can try again tomorrow. You will kick this eventually. There's nothing to be feared here. You can trust yourself. Don't worry. I know this is hard. And that voice that was telling me to not drink was so shameful. There was so much shame, and hatred, and self-loathing. It was the voice that was saying, you are terrible. Don't even care about anybody. Don't you care about your family? You're going to kill yourself. Uh, how can you have done this? How can you let yourself fall this far? This is disgusting. This is despicable. And funnily enough, even though that voice was saying the word stop drinking, it was the voice that was keeping me stuck. Mm -hmm. And how much that awareness was off my radar, even until recently, is, is just astounding, right? And the voice that was the graceful, compassionate voice, like it just had the wrong tool. It had my best interest at heart, but it had literally the wrong tool because alcohol, we can just all agree that it's it's a toxin. It is actually the wrong tool. Our hangovers tell us so, our regret tells us so, our, our feeling out of control tells us so. But it, it, it's so fascinating to me to look back and be like, wow, the, the voice that actually was loving and caring for me was not the voice telling me not to drink. It was telling me that everything was going to be okay and that that I was okay, right? And it's just fascinating to think about that. And that I think is what really renewing the mind is, is like actually listening to what's happening in your own mind, because it's so often different than what you think. And then actually taking every thought, like every single thought and, you know, like it says, take it captive, like explore it, understand it and decide if it, if it works for you or not. And it takes 
a lot of patience and a lot of reflection and often I think external information to help you, you know, really process the, the, the thoughts and in, in a way that's helpful, but it's fascinating to consider. That's good. I like that. Well, Brian, all right, let's finish up with this final question, which is if you were going to, if you were going to go back in time and, you know, really talk to that man who was driving himself home after nobody knew you'd still got up there, you know, you'd, you'd still ministered to this group of men who probably did a phenomenal job and you probably did a, a great job despite, despite, you know, having had a few drinks and yet you were in that car and just hating yourself with that, that intense shame voice and you were going to tell him about what life is like now what would you say yeah that's a, a great question i mean in, in that moment there i would uh take the role of a uh, of a student and i would say okay brian you made a mistake that was a seminar what did you learn because there's a whole lot of hope for you there's a, a bright and shining future down the road before we take the next step with excitement towards that future what did you learn what did you learn because uh because that was a big shift for me instead of uh, embracing the shame which the crazy thing about shame you know that's going to cause me to to to, to go you know deeper into uh an emotional place where i'm going to want to drink more you know there's the the other option as uh, being a student. And uh, that's probably the main thing that I, with, with guys that, you know, keep hitting the wall, you know, and I, I love using the word seminar, you know, when they, when they say that, hey, you know, I had two drinks last Friday night. Uh, well, that was just a seminar. What did you learn? And so, um, so yeah, you know, thinking back to that, uh, that, that drive home, it would have been a, a, a more pleasant drive home you know, if I would have, uh, you know, taken those thoughts captive uh, and said, whoa, here's what I did. That's not who I am. So my identity, who I, who I am at my core, did not change one iota uh, because of those drinks that I took before I spoke to those men. Here's the man that I am, a good-hearted man, powerful father, a loving husband, made a mistake. You know, what did I learn? And so, uh, so that would, that would be, you know, what I would have, uh, you know, changed back then. And, uh, that's been a good, a good tool for me, uh, these last two years. I love that idea of, uh, a seminar and just that question of like, it's amazing whenever I have a coach and whenever I'm feeling super down on myself about a decision I made or something, I don't feel like I did right. He's like, okay, well, just go and sit with your, he, he calls it like a legal pad or, you know, whatever document and all your lessons, like just get it all out there, like squeeze all the juice from this. And, and once that's done, it does feel complete. The shame does leave because it's like, oh, this was, this can be for me. Like everything can be turned for the good. Like everything can be used for for what is is positive and what is is going to move us forward and i think it takes a lot of courage to interrupt because in a way that that blame and shame like it's quite addictive like it can feel really good it can feel like momentum and we're just doing something about it by beating ourselves up but it actually takes quite a bit of courage to stop that stream 
and say, what did I learn? Which is such a much more productive question. Yes. Well, this has just been awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I, I really appreciate it. And so nice to get to know you. Thank you, Annie. Uh, love being with you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how this naked mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. Thank you.